You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk with Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young on ESPN Radio 94.1. And we welcome everybody back to Saturday Morning Sports Talk here with the Coach Ed Young and along with Matt Hatfield. Matt is... uh, on the phone with his agent right now and uh, negotiating a contract for something else. So I am left back in charge for a second or two. And, of course, uh, the guy touching buttons and telling me not to, A.J. Risser, is manning everything also here. But speaking of Matt, this past week uh, he caught up with uh, Kickatan head basketball coach Willie Goss after their win over Phoebus High School on Tuesday. Let's see what the two gentlemen had to talk about. All right, I'm here with Kikatan head basketball coach Willie Gauls as the Warriors went by a count of 84 to 63 of the Phoebus Phantoms to move to 7-2 overall. Coach, uh, first quarter here at the K, your team knows how to come out and uh, guns a blazing, if you will, 21 points, and uh, led by Justin Bass, who finishes up with 35 points, hit his first seven threes tonight. You guys get in transition, and you really thrive that way, and you're hard to defend when you get going. Yeah, that's that's kind of the fabric of who we are. Mm-hmm. We're, we've learned to do what we do well, mm-hmm. so we practice on shooting a lot. We've got a lot of great shooters, and so they know when to get in that spot so how to execute. So we want to get the ball up the floor uh, as quick as we can, get to our spots, share the ball, swing the ball, make it move sideline to sideline, and shoot in rhythm shots. I mentioned to you in pregame that, you know, last year's team, you scored, it seemed like, 80 points every time out. You won 20 straight games. You had D.J. Campbell at the forefront of your attack, who's now at Western Carolina. And you really aren't missing a beat in terms of scoring at a high clip. Granted, I know you lost that first game again this year to Woodside, but tell me about just kind of the maturation of the others that have stepped up into bigger roles, like a Bass, like a Jaden Pace, and others who have taken on bigger leadership and responsibilities now that DJ's gone. Well, I think it's, it's just a testament to one, a great coaching staff, okay. uh, building a great culture. Uh, number two is to, it's the attributes of playing with a great player because he made everyone around him better. And so we're starting to see the fruits. Uh, of his leadership labor, and also the, the culture that you know, his coaching staff has, has built here, you know, and so um, <clears throat> it's just understanding the blueprint and just follow the blueprint, and you know things will work out for you. When Bass and Pace, even Deshaun Orman, are hitting shots the way they are, I mean, it feels like their confidence is like the league's not going to shrink. I mean, it might go from 17 to 11, but you're not going to let it get to a point where you lose control of the game. Is that kind of how you feel when you're at home that way? Or yes, yes, uh, that, that's how we feel. Again, if Excuse we. Me, if we get to the place where we uh, are doing what we do mm-hmm. and what we're supposed to do, then we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even if the shots don't fall, it's understanding how to take great shots. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in basketball. Kids are not taking – kids are taking bad shots. And because they're taking bad shots, they're not falling. But I've guys, I've guys have learned – our guys have learned to take the shots that they're supposed to take mm-hmm. when they're supposed to take it in the flow of the of the offense. What do you worry about with this team? Because you are seven and two right now. Your only two losses have been to Woodside and Mitchell, who are like yourself, a giant in the PD class five, which is a gauntlet. And you've won twenty seven of the last thirty one games dating back to last year. What, what do you worry about? Is it rebounding? Is it defense? Uh, what are the things you kind of pinpoint with your group that you're you know trying to improve on and sharpen up on? Well, I think really the only thing that I would kind of about is just the experience factor going down to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it's the culture here, you know. So we have five guys that have playoff experience, 
Uh, you know, they have a little chip on their shoulder because, you know, starting out, everybody thought Kicker Tan was rebuilding. Nobody thought about us, you know. Uh, and so, uh, other than you, you know, because you're our friend. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nobody else uh, thought about us. And so, uh, you know, that's the only thing, if anything, I would worry about. Uh, but, again, we know the fabric. We know the culture. You know, and we've been there before. So, we kind of know what to do and definitely what not to do. Well, and lastly, you don't know who you'll see come playoff time, whether it is a Woodside or a Minchville again, a Norview or Maury, whoever it is in 5B, which is arguably the toughest region in the state. But you win 20 in a row last year. You have a great season. But for some, it's viewed as, oh, my goodness, they didn't get the state to do this. As a coach, I'm curious to get your kids' take on this. What is kind of your feeling on this year, how this team is maybe different? And it seems like you're different from the game one to now. And is there less pressure? How have you kind of handled that? Because there are expectations, yet maybe not the expectations that others have. How's kind of your view of the big picture, if you will? Well, what we've learned that it's a game. Mm-hmm. Like I say, any given Sunday, any given night, the ball can bounce the wrong way. And so we uh, value every moment. We value every moment that we have to play the game. And on the flip side, we know that uh, that's all we need is one game. You know, so even if we're, you know, not the, you know, the quote-unquote head honchos like we were last year with the target on our back, we can be that other team that can be a spoiler. And mm-hmm. so what we've learned is to focus on what we do well mm-hmm. and learn from our mistakes. I and mean, we still have that taste in our mouth from last year. Um, but even though that, we didn't focus on the numbers. We focused on the dash and what we were able to do during that dash. And we did some great things, and we're starting to see the fruits of that labor this year because all of these guys grew. All of these guys got more confident, more mature, and that's how we're able to just, you know, keep it rolling, you know. Dashing towards the playoffs, Coach Claus. I love way over to the fans. Thank you so much. Congrats. Man, listen, we appreciate, appreciate you, brother. It. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. All right, good deal. That was Willie Goss, the head boys basketball coach of the Kickatan Warriors after his team's win on Tuesday night over the Phoebus Phantoms. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on ESPN Radio 94.1. An 84-63 win over the Phantoms. Edward Justin Bass had 35.7 of 8 from behind the arc with five steals in that performance. And we'll quickly fire up a scoreboard just to give you a little bit of a high school hoops action results from last night across the 757. And another victory for Willie Gauze's team as they were uh, triumphant yet again. Uh, both the girls and the boys of Kikatan winning over the Denby Patriots. The boys winning 80-45 to 45 as Deshaun Orman had 21 points. Justin Bass bunched in 15. Kevin Copeland with 12. Marcel Pace with 11 as Kikatan is now 8-2 on the year on the boys' side. The gals victorious over Denby in that one by a score of, oh, I thought it was Kikatan over Denby. Maybe it wasn't Denby they played last night. I'm showing 60-5 to five a win over Denby. So anyhow. All right, moving along here. Other action from last night across the uh, 757. Let's stick in the PD for just a brief moment here. It was uh, Woodside on the girls' side beating Phoebus by a score of 41-28. to The boys winning over Phoebus 79-65 as Richmond signee Trevor Smith has 18 points of their 79 in the win for Phoebus in the loss, 31 from Jordan Leakes of their 65 in defeat. Menchville went over Bethel 70-43 to as they remain undefeated under Coach Lamont Struthers, his son Etienne Struthers, an Appalachian State signing with 18 points to lead the way for Menchville. And how about on the girls' side, uh, Menchville's ladies mighty strong, 66-36 to over Bethel as Amari Smith, the Morgan State signee, has 17 points, 8 rebounds to lead the way for Adrian Webb's reigning state champs who are 10-1 on the year. Menchville girls and boys, maybe the best combo in the area right now. Ed, in terms of uh, two teams, you can make a case for Kings Fork. Yes. You can make a case for maybe Norview, girls and boys. Boys, but I think Menchville's the one you go with, right? 
Off the top of my head, I would say yes. Kings Fork would be right up there with them. You're right. You hit them all three right in a row. Kings Fork, Norby would be the top three. Look at that. I didn't get anything wrong with that. All right. What else happened last night across the 757? Let's go outside some of the districts here. Just give you some scores scattered here before we take a break and hear from another one of our coaching uh Guests that we uh, spoke with last night. Maury Boys winning over Norcom 62-39 to as Brandon Plummer's son, Javion Green, had a team-high 19 points and 7 rebounds in that win. Lake Taylor a winner over Maury as Derek Yogi Edwards' as Titans prevail 73-53 to over the Mustangs behind Elijah Washington's double-double of 17 points, 12 rebounds. Also a double-double for Rodney Baines inside with 14 points and 10 boards. Uh, also in the... Uh, Eastern District last night, Booker T. Washington doubled up Granby 62-31 to behind Daytuan Johnson, 16 points and 7 steals in the Southeastern. Indian River, a winner over Grassfield, 73-66 to behind Key Nichols' 22 points. Lakeland, a winner over Deep Creek, 61-50 to as Ashton Holland Lane had a double-double of 12 points and 10 rebounds. Great Bridge prevails 67-29 to over Hickory, 21 points and 8 assists for Cam Walters in that one. Uh, Oscar Smith remains unblemished. They did not play last night. I know they notched a win the other day over Ocean Lakes. However, uh, we mentioned Kings Fork playing well. They won their game, their first game that I noticed the other day in that tournament in New Orleans. Other scores around the 7-5-7 last night in the Bay Rivers. It was a double overtime thriller between Bruton and York. Bruton a winner over York 49-47 to as Brandon Friedman has 23 points, including the three-pointer to end regulation to send it to the extra session as Bruton wins. Smithfield beats Jamestown 74-50 to as they get it done behind Sean Brown's 16 points. Marquise Custis is 14. And uh, in the Beach District last night, Kellum a winner over Bayside 58-55. Barrett Harwood with 27 points. First Colonial knocks off Tallwood 48-41. to Romeo Steverson with 25 points. Salem best Kempsville. 57-46, to 46. Kamon Khan with 16 points to lead Lloyd Deloach's Sun Devils. Green Run defeating Ocean Lakes 67-25. to 25. Check that 65-25 to 25 behind Trey Miller's double-double of 17 points and 11 rebounds. And last night, Lancetown, a winner over Cox, 56-50 to 50 as the freshman Deshaun Spellman had 17 points and 6 rebounds. We'll hear from Dwight Robinson in the next segment of the program. Girls action more scores. Catholic girls a winner over Collegiate 71 to 30 as William and Mary signee Kate Carlson had 19 points, seven rebounds, and five steals. Hampton all over Denby 66 to 14 as George Mason signee Kennedy Harris had 23 points, eight steals, and five assists. Manor girls over Lake Taylor 67 to 35 behind Jada White's 24 points. Salem girls beating Kempsville 49 to 32. Norcom girls a winner over Maury 56 to 16. Norview girls 69 Churchland two that is not a misprint 69 to two as Diamond Wiggins had 16 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, nearly a triple double. By the way, in defeat last night for Cox, Ben Nacy had 21 points, 11 rebounds, and nine blocks, almost a triple double for him. And that one. And to finish up the girls' scores for you last night across the 757. If you missed any of these, they'll be up on VirginiaPreps.com later. Lansdowne over Cox, 58 to 15. Green Run over Ocean Lakes, 36 to 30. First Colonial over Tallwood, 67 to 36. Deep Creek over Lakeland, 57 to 42. And Grassfield over Indian River, 56 to 40. Those were the scores across Hampton Roads last night. Anything jump out at you, Ed? Nothing too extravagant or major or shocking? No, I was trying to keep up with you as you're ripping those through those. I don't, I don't recall any major upset. Um, I did hear a 69. It was a 69 to two score girls basketball. It was pretty uh, lopsided there. Denby only had five. Yeah, it's, it's kind of disheartening to hear some of those scores of of that nature. And we've talked about it many, many times when it happens. You know, what do you do? It's just the nature of how a young team is trying to put a young team together and and playing with confidence. We hear it a little bit more on the girls' side than we do on the boys' side. But um, they do happen, and uh, it's not it's not pretty for anybody. 
Yeah, I think on the boys' side, only, what's it, two unblemished teams right now? Oscar, Smith, and Menchville? Is that it? I think that's the list. That's the list. And the state are going like about 11 or 12. Could be. Now, uh, Kings Fork has lost to uh, some national power. Out of a state opponents, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is, uh, I'm atop of, uh, out of Philly and Pennsylvania. I know they're like third in the country. Mm-hmm. And who knows what, who they're played against down in the Sugar Bowl Classic in New Orleans. I'm sure they're playing um, some pretty tough teams, too. So, um, <clears throat> they're undefeated in this area. We'll come back and hear from Dwight Robinson of the Lansdowne Eagles. Also give you some thoughts on Monday night's national championship, which you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 94.1 between the Frogs and the Dogs, TCU and Georgia. It's all coming your way. Plus NFL picks week number 18 with Risser, Dino, the coach, and yours truly, Matt Hatfield. Everybody's above 500 except one guy. See who that is. No, it's not you, Risser. It's the other guy. It's all coming your way a little bit here on ESPN Radio 94.1. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk with Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young on ESPN Radio 94.1. And welcome back. As Mr. Radio Voiceman said, this is Saturday Morning Sports Talk here on ESPN Radio 94.1. The voice you hear is that of me, the coach, Ed Young. Uh, You'll hear from Matt Hatfield here in a second as uh, we send him out for an interview situation and... uh, He's on his way right now to talk with head basketball coach Dwight Robinson, Lansdowne Eagles, a big win last night over Cox. Let's see what uh, Dwight had to say about the game as him and Matt converse here on ESPN Radio 94.1. All right, here with Lansdowne head basketball coach Dwight Robinson. Eagles, Dwight Robinson's Eagles win a 56-50 hard spot win over the Cox Falcons. Uh, coach, you got a 12-point lead in the first half. You shoot 64%. Things are looking great, but as you know, basketball is a two-half game, and the second half is one you'd probably like to forget, but it's all on about the win. So it's a case of a better to have a uh, ugly win than a pretty loss. Uh, you know, young team. Sometimes uh, young teams, we, they play that way, so they think they're going to be hot forever. And so shots we made in the first half, we thought, you know, they were all going to go in, and when they weren't going in, we just kept shooting them, too. Um, but, you know, uh, we try to play defense, so that's all we can do is, uh, when the shots aren't falling, just play defense, rely on that for a little while, and, and then we kind of got it back under control for the most part in the, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your defense was really good for stretches. They lost some people uh, later in the game, but tell me about those two freshmen that played a lot for you. Xavier Cleveland, I know, has been one of your leading scores as well as Deshaun Spummel at 17 points tonight. Um, without them, this might not have gone your way. Yeah, they're, they're growing up. I mean, we've already got 11 games under their, their belt, so they're not freshmen no more. I mean, they started, both of them have started almost every single game that they've you know, been able to start. So uh, it's just a matter of time for them to mature a little bit. Uh, and I thought Sean really played with patience tonight. We still got to have better awareness. Um, you know, we took a three ball late in the game and we should have been running the clock with a minute and some change on seven. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just a learning curve. Learning curve and uh, getting better for later. Yeah, I'm not sure why that happens in all levels of basketball. We've seen the pros, college, high school. It seems like late in games we're seeing more and more. Is that just a what do you trip to as a coach? Because you, you're seeing it more prevalent now, and it's something I'm sure you probably have to keep harping on and get tired of saying about it, right? Well, guys are wide open. I mean, they're, they're open. I mean, we miss a breakaway layup by ourselves, and then we try three times to stick it back in the hole with under a minute to go instead of just pulling it out mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting fouled. And uh, we took a three ball uh, with like a minute and ten seconds left in the game that he he'd hit it. You know, just probably about. Two minutes earlier, he hit a three, so he's like, okay, I'm going to put it away. And I, and I think that's part of what 
kids think now. Um, we're up seven minutes, I'm just knocking us down and the game will be over. Almost a greedy mentality rather than yeah, playing yeah. smart. Instead and of saying I'm up seven, now they got to foul me, I go to the free throw line and knock those down. You played your quality schedule, which you do every year. John Marshall was a monster. You played some out of state teams, going on the road. You play a big man tonight in Ben Nacy. He had 21 points, 11 rebounds, 9 block shots. Uh, a lot of people in Tywater may not know how good he is, but certainly seeing that and going up against that should help you guys. And tell me what you saw out of that matchup tonight. Him and Ethan Moore played each other a lot tonight. Yeah, uh, we, we played some big guys. Uh, you know, with John Marshall's guy, Chambers, Panther Creek, all, all guys that were 6 8 or better. Um, ben has real soft hands, and they look for him. So anytime that we step up to help, they're they're dumping it to him. Um, and so he got some easy ones because our rotation is slow. Um, but he does a really good job. If he puts it up, he goes back vertical and gets it and sticks it back. He's got a soft touch around the basket, nice jump hook. So, I mean, either you double team him or you say, okay, we'll live with him getting his, and, uh, you know, we'll – We'll stop other guys from getting theirs. You played cops of the years and back in the day when Tavon Robinson was back in the gym tonight, the Kentucky football standout and others have gone head to head with you. And this was probably a dangerous game knowing that they had just had their seven game winning stamp against Kellerman. Anytime Lanston walks in the gym, especially in the beach, the antenna goes up, right? Right. And so, you know, we've uh, we've won a lot of games here, but they all have been, you know, close. Uh, even with some of the best teams that I've had coming here, I don't know what it is, uh, but I know that they play better when they're here at home uh, than they have at our place, uh, and they did tonight too. Even though we got up on them about 12, 14 points, uh, they, you know, here at home they 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 don't you know give up. They, they keep fighting. They keep fighting, which a good team should. And uh, you know they're seven and three, and uh, they've been playing well. Lastly, it's a different team than in the last couple of years when you had Donald Ham Jr., uh, who's now at Boston College. Your defense team, it feels like, a younger team with a lot of inexperienced freshman guards and wings. What's going to dictate the success for your group as you get towards playoff time? Is it going to just be how you handle pressure situations, taking care of the basketball, the simple things? Or? Oh, yeah, it's going to definitely be the simple things. I think we're going to play hard every night, and uh, that's one thing I tell my guys all the time. time I said, one thing we can't control is how, our effort how hard we play, uh, and really we concentrate a lot on the defensive end because I know we're going to be up and down some nights on offense. Uh, so if we can be solid defensively and run down the basketball and not give up easy shots, uh, then I think, you know, we, we'll always have a chance in the game. Uh, but, you know, we shot it extremely well uh, tonight. which We've been working on that a lot, you know, over the break. And so hopefully our shooting guys come in round two. Uh, that way we can kind of get Ethan a little bit loose down low with some single coverage as opposed to double teaming. And uh, hopefully you, you know, will play well. Thanks so much. All the best. Yep, thanks. So that was Dwight Robinson, head boys basketball coach of the Lancetown Eagles, who were victorious last night, 56-50 to over Cox to move to 8-4 and on the year. A freshman leading them, Ed, and Deshaun Spellman with 17 points, also starting a freshman in Xavion Cleveland, a ninth grader. So uh, the future will remain bright. Uh, at Lanstown, which has long been one of the best teams, not just in the beach, but locally and statewide, as uh, Dwight Robinson, I think, is now up to 373 wins, as he'll be closing on a milestone win 400, we'd expect probably by middle to early, early to mid next season, I think. Well, with the squad he has, those young kids he has, he, he'll be going past that. He, he's he's just depends on when he wants to hang it up, but he's got a lot more years ahead of him. Team always plays great defense, and uh, when he can get some of those youngsters like that in the lineup, um, that's trouble for the beach and the, and the teams in 6A to come because um, they're going to win. It's not uh, t- 
total rebuild. He just kind of reloads it. Yeah, they're almost in an underdog role because they're not going to be viewed or expected to go beat an Oscar Smith, the Manchester in that region. But uh, they're a live underdog because they're never a team that you say doesn't have a chance, right? I mean, they always have a great chance the way they defend, like you said. And those younger kids won't be, you know, the knee of fight. They won't be as inexperienced come playoff time because they'll been in some battles and some uh, tighter spots. Yeah, like I said, they're they're in games. It's you know some teams you got to go with young kids and you struggle for a year or two until they really, you know, grow into what the physicality and the quickness of the varsity level is composed opposed to the JV. But um, he's he's in the running all the time, and uh, like I said, he's going to get four hundred, and I wouldn't doubt one bit he's going to be at five hundred also. All right, coming up on Monday night, you can hear the national championship game with Georgia and TCU right here on ESPN Radio 94.1. And who would have thunk it, as they say? Who would have ever thought that TCU would go from unranked to playing in a national title game? And uh, the previous five teams that made it to the college football playoff in this playoff era since 2014 were unable to defend their crown and repeat. And uh, Georgia's trying to become the first to repeat since Alabama in 2011-2012. Uh, Georgia has won the previous four meetings with TCU, the most recent being in the 2016 Liberty Bowl. And uh, one of the things I think we said on a little video show was about Ohio State playing Georgia. I, did, I wondered if they would be whole not having Trevion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba and Marvin Harrison went down in that game and Georgia came back to win. I do worry about the status of the running back with that knee injury uh, and Keandre Miller for TCU. Uh, their offense was clicking early against Michigan. Michigan left some points on the field early in that game. They came roaring back. That third quarter was head spinning. Both of those games were high scoring, entertaining, and close, which I think we thought one would be, one would not be. Do you give TCU much of a chance here with Max Duggan at the helmet quarterback and Sonny Dykes' team trying to make some unprecedented history, or is this a Georgia route in a game that is boring by third quarter, Ed? You know, I'm I'm the one that said Michigan wins by at least three touchdowns. Uh, maybe TCU hangs around early and that's it. Well, that went out the window. No, they went one and moved on. I thought Georgia would definitely beat Ohio State, but would not be surprised if Ohio State won. So now here they go. Georgia, TCU, I, I got to say Georgia. Georgia's built for this. TCU, I don't think has any pressure on them at all in terms of Outside forces. Now they want to win. They're not just happy to be here. You get this far, you want to win all the way through. And now TC is not a garbage team. I don't know why some people think like a they don't belong, b they didn't schedule wasn't any good, all that other crazy talk. They they're function in, great in close games, don't they? Yeah, they really yeah, win they're, in close they're games. in a national championship game for a reason. And if you didn't see see them at all, all you had to do is watch the Michigan game because they answered every single question in that game. So yes, do they have a shot at Georgia? Absolutely. But, again, I'm going to come back and say I think Georgia wins this by, I'll say again, three touchdowns. So I would like to add Michigan over TCU, and I'll probably be wrong again. And TCU people will love me for that if they can win a national title out of this. Three touchdowns. I'm going to say I, I, I think so. There's a reason why they're up there. And Georgia is just so many weapons at different positions. You know, a lot of guys that you're going to see at the next, next level, not that TCU won't have any. I'm sure they're going to have a few in there. But they're, they're in a situation, you know, Nobody thought they'd be there. Georgia's, a lot of guys have been here, and I always keep saying when you, something to be said about being down that path before, and I think this is what Georgia's looking for. But it will not be, I just don't think it's a blowout. I mean, 21 sounds like a blowout, but, you know, they can score a late touchdown and make it 21. Well, uh, Georgia comes in with the 65th-ranked pass defense in the nation. They got ripped to shreds through the air by LSU in the SEC championship in Ohio State. Now you say, well, TCU's not that. Max Duggan's got Quentin Johnston, who's one of the best receivers in the country with 
59 grabs for over 1,000 yards, six TDs. But you've got to have that second or third receiver age, I think, if you're a team that's going to beat Georgia and exploit them. And I just don't know that TCU they, – they showed some vulnerability late in that game, just holding on for dear life. You've got to be balanced. And I think Georgia's defense has heard that it's not as strong as last year. They all those pros, and I think they'll bring a better effort. It's going to be weird. Stetson Bennett could be – a back-to-back two-time national champion at quarterback, and nobody is talking about him ever seeing an NFL field ever one day. He's a complete, like, obscure name at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you look at that Ohio State-Georgia game. I mean, let's not forget Ohio State was up 10 going yes. into that fourth quarter. I mean, Ohio State, I, I you know, we, we talk about that word choke when we think about Atlanta in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but when you're up 10 points, I mean, in the fourth quarter, Harrison getting hurt, though, took a lot out of them. And, and I, I understand that, but at the, at the same time, Ohio State fixed their issues they had in that in that game against Michigan. They were giving sure. up so many deep balls. They were giving up so many big plays, and they, they fixed that for the most part against uh, Georgia. And I saw a lot of Georgia fans saying that was Georgia's worst game of the year that they played, and yet they still put up 42 know, that Missouri, points. That Missouri game was a rough game they had to yeah. rally from. And you know what? If Noah Ruggles hits that 50-yard field goal, which some of the blame goes to Ryan Day not getting a little closer there with – I mean, C.J. Stroud was moving down the field that last drive. Maybe he knocks it through. And uh, TCU just came in and, and just popped Michigan in the mouth. They you did. know, in Michigan, I, I feel watching that game, Michigan kind of seemed like they were going to uh, just roll past them easily. That's how they, their thought process was. You have a Big 12 team coming in. You know, this isn't the Big 10. This isn't the SEC. But now you're not playing the same team. You're not playing a Michigan defense while it was good throughout the year. You're not playing. You're playing an SEC defense. You're playing an SEC powerhouse. I don't think it'll be three touchdowns, uh, but I do see maybe a 10-point win by Georgia. So you might take the 12-and-a-half and, a half I and might. lay it. I'll tell you what I like. I like the under 63. I don't think after two shootout games in the semifinals, I think this game will be played a little closer to the vest, lower tempo and score. Take, take on a little bit of that first half look that the Rose Bowl had the other day with uh, Penn State and Utah. Then the Utah quarterback got hurt in that one. So I think this will be – I would go under 63 if I was playing – this particular game, Ed's, Ed would take the coin toss of being tails. That that would be your money play on this one, right? Coin toss tails. Take tails. <laughs> take tails. Definitely Never take fails. tails. 100% yeah. take tails. And um, I think it's under 63-2, but if TCU makes mistakes and Georgia's coming to play, it could be a, it could be a 44 44- 20 game it could it can become a blowout it could get be close a bad to beat and be a bad beat right yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be i don't i don't see in any shape or form tcu blowing out georgia by the way it's it's absolutely ridiculous that we have a national championship game where the line is more than 10 points it yeah is. That, that's unheard of it that's is pretty rare of. i mean that's the lack of respect for a team that was picked seventh in the preseason poll and by the way there is a local player on this tcu team you know who it is it's keontae john uh keontae johnson keontae jenkins this Keontae Johnson is the basketball player from Kansas State, by the way, out of Norview that went to IMG. Keontae Jenkins, who was at Cox High School, defensive back. I don't think he's seen much playing time, if any, but he is on the roster. So he would get a national championship uh, ring at if the Horn Frogs can stun America on Monday night. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I, I think uh, the betting money is all towards Georgia. And uh, I think a lot of people want to see Georgia lose because... Yeah. Of, of who they are. You think it's SEC or Georgia just doesn't have that sexy f- appeal of them about being that air raid team, that team that really throws it and has all these you know offensive playmakers the way they play? What do you think that is, why people are rooting? Because it does feel like the nation is kind of pulling a, pulling for uh, TCU and against Georgia. I think it's the old adage, everybody loves the underdog. Um, I, I, it tickles me when I hear people say, oh, I want to see some uh, other teams in here instead of the same old team. And I'm like, okay, who, who do you want? Troy? South Alabama? <laughs> Appalachian State, what what are you talking about? There's only going to be 
one, two, three, maybe five, six teams that you never really hear of. Unless we have a 12-team playoff and Tulane right. goes through after they had that crazy comeback against USC. Oh, that was tremendous. That Nobody was talks wild. about that. That's an unbelievable yeah. upset, Tulane knocking off. Southern Cal, to me, has as much talent offensively, offensively yeah. as Georgia. Yeah. Oh, I think they have more offensive talent. Defensive talent, there's a big drop-off. Big, well, Georgia's yeah. defense is NFL, getting NFL ready. It is. All right, we'll come back with Week 18 NFL picks in the league where they play for pay. What is Ed going to do? Risser, Dino? This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk with Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young on ESPN Radio 94.1. All right, final segment of this edition of 757 Saturday Sports Talk on the 7th day of January, the year 2023, brought to you by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you call 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D for Larry King. Don't forget, coming up later here today on ESPN Radio 94.1, it's ODU Men's Basketball, 230 Toyota pregame show with Ted Alexander and Dave Twardzik as the Monarchs visit Georgia Southern. Then we have NFL action joining progress, the Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Meanwhile, you can hear yours truly and Susan Monk with the ODU women in action today on our sister station, Fox Sports 1310 AM and 100.9 FM. As Susan and I will give you the ladies of ODU taking on South Alabama with the Toyota pregame show at 1.30 before a 2 o'clock tip. And it is now time for our NFL Picks Week number 18 with yours truly, Matt Hatfield, the coach, Ed Young, A.J. Risser, and the new brand manager of Fox Sports 1310 AM, 100.9 FM. It is the man that gives you Dino dogs every week here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. He is 9-7-1 and one with his Dino's Dogs. Lost last week with Houston plus three. Risser, meanwhile, is 9-8. and eight. He lost with San Francisco last week. Ed did not go unblemished for the second week in a row, folks. He won with the Lions but lost with his over-unders with the uh, Chargers game and the Saints-Eagles game. So he drops to 22-29. and 29. I also was 1-2 this past week, 28-20-3, winning on the Giants, losing on the over-under of Bucks panthers a bad beat there, and the Chiefs not covering. But we let, uh, I guess, we get to flip the coin. Who goes first with this? We all basically went yucky. We'll let Dino go first since he got the big title this week. Congratulations, Dino, the new brand manager of Fox Sports 1310. A.M. And uh, Ed's already lobbying for Sports After Dark. He wants to host that from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. every weeknight or weekend. Sports After Dark. Yeah. Coach uh, Young's well, new show, right? Check that out. We'll investigate <laughs> and see uh, just what this show's all about. Who's your dog this week? Well, you know, I don't know if I want to bark up this uh, tree or not because Uh-oh. I have not had success when this team's been involved uh, in any of my picks this year. And I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe I'm 0-3 when I've uh, had the Eagles uh, either for or against in my picks. Mm. Uh, Jalen Hurts, they listed him as questionable officially for Philadelphia, but he could play. The Eagles, huge f- uh, favorites in this game against a New York Giants team that is locked into the NFC sixth seed, so they probably don't have much to play for. However, Coach Brian Dable says he will play the starters but for how long? We don't know. Eagles remain without right tackle Lane Johnson. I did some research on this this morning. Without Lane Johnson, they are 9-22 and 22 straight up without him. Whoa. Philly's also 4-6 and six against the spread in their last 10 games against the G-Men. So uh, give me the Giants plus the 14. A lot of points. They probably lose as the Eagles are trying to lock up the top seed. But I think that New York covers this game. Well, hold on. I'm going to give you 14 and a half because the line has just shifted to 14 and a half. So you get the extra half a point, which means that could come in handy if you only lose like 27-13. 
Oh wow! I, yeah, I checked the uh, I checked the lines a couple hours ago. So hey, I'll take that extra half a point. Always comes in handy. So it's a uh, moving, moving, and moving. It could be at twenty by kickoff. So Dino's going to go with the Giants to try to finish up the regular season ten seven and one. All right, AJ, you're up next, and I'll let Ed go after that. I'll go last here. So what's your pick? All your right. lock of the week? So you know there are so many uh, uh, lines that are over ten points or close yeah. to ten points. Baltimore is a nine and a half point underdog. You have, uh, I believe, San Francisco is a fourteen and a half point favorite. Uh, look, it's tough. I, I I really thought about going Baltimore because I think they have one loss that was more than one score. However, no Lamar. The offense finally scored a touchdown last week, but they look like the Denver Broncos. They only put up 13 points. So that feels like under, by the way, doesn't it? What? The total? Doesn't it feel like that's going to be under? It probably will be, or yeah. it's going to be like a billion to nothing <laughs> in favor of Cincinnati. And so I, I beat, don't right. have a lot of faith there. Um, however... I'm looking at, um, sorry, this this Washington-Dallas game. You have a new, fresh quarterback coming in, and Sam Howell. I, I, look, it's very easy to go against them, so I'm actually going to take Dallas with the minus seven. I think you've, you've done them a couple times this year, and you've, you've had success Tennessee's with them, right? usually been my go-to, but yes. Tennessee decided that they're just going to sit everyone and yeah. then... Tannehill's going on the IR. So right. so minus seven for Dallas for AJ as he tries to close out the regular season 10 and 8, which would be quite an accomplishment after what were you, 0 and 6 to start the year? Even if you lose, you finish up at 5. You deserve a trophy just for that. Yeah, absolutely. 9 and 9. All right, Ed, you get to go here. Then I take two, and then you take two, and I get the last one. Uh, you better not take the one that I have circled as my favorite play of the week because I will come in there and hit you with the Clorox. I don't even know why I'm picking. I should just not play my starters. I'm already out. Can't win the division. I'm not a wild card team. And the rule says if you lose 30 games in a season, you're out. You're picking so. because people like to bet against what you say. That's why you're picking. Okay. Here, here. give me the first one. Give me Minnesota minus six. Thank goodness you didn't touch what I was taking. Minnesota minus six. You're going with the Vikes here. I'm going to go with the Vikes. Vikings against Dino's Bears, but there's no Justin Fields. It's Nathan Peterman. And by the way, it's now at five and a half. Would you like it at five and a half as opposed to six? Yeah, I'll take that. All right. So I get to go with two. He didn't touch it. Lambeau Field in early January. Very cold for Sunday night football. And by the way, by the time this game kicks off, bad job of the NFL. The Seattle Seahawks might have already beaten the Rams, which would knock out the Lions. And I know Dan Campbell's done a great job, spirited effort. But look at Detroit's statistical splits on the defensive side of the ball. They got gashed a couple weeks ago by uh, Carolina. Green Bay is only laying four and a half. I think Aaron Rodgers and company will thrive in this game. They'll involve the running game with Dylan and Jones. A.J. Dylan, Aaron Jones, give me the pack. They're back, and they're going to the playoffs, I do believe, minus the four and a half for pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going to the over-under well, and it is the game tonight for the AFC South title featuring Jacksonville and Tennessee. I think a lot of points will be scored. In fact, a lot of points by Jacksonville. I know Tennessee's offense has been a little bit shaky, to say the least here. They still do have Derrick Henry, who I think will have a strong performance. Let me take over 39.5 in the Jags-Titans game. I like a lot of the unders this week, but I think that one will go over the total. I can see Jacksonville alone scoring 28 to 34 points in this game. Give me over 39.5 Jacksonville-Tennessee Winner going on to the playoffs in the AFC. Ed, you got the next two. All right. Uh, let's make it simple on a game that a lot of people in this area love. Give me Dallas minus seven. Is it minus wait, seven? Wait, wait, wait. Didn't that, isn't that what AJ took? Oh, you he took copycat? that. Yeah, it's out. It's ah, out. The, yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. You can't steal. Uh, I just, I'm just i just putting a whammy on him on that one, then. Yeah, that, you might want to switch your pick, Risser. He stole one of mine. Yeah. All right. Okay, here's the one I'm looking at, and I can't explain this, but I'm going to give me the Chargers. 
You're going to take the Chargers? I'm taking the Chargers plus three over Denver. Wow. Why is that? Why, why is Denver favored? Well, the, the wise guys know why. Because the Chargers have nothing to play for. I think they're locked into the sixth seed. But you're, so ta- they're you're not taking gonna, it. They're not going to play I mean, any starters. you're taking it unless you want to take it back real quick. Make your no, mind I'm up. taking it. I can't okay. believe they're going to lay down for Denver. I'm going to go double whammy on in a second here, AJ. Go ahead, Ed. What's your next one? Your last one. Okay, my next one. I wasn't ready for that other one. Give me... Over-unders because they hurt you last week. You were doing so nah, well on not, before last week. I'm not messing with those. I'm not messing with those. Even though I'm looking hard at the uh, Houston-Indianapolis, what a game that would be. It's probably going to be 48-42. I was going to say the other way around because they both have checked out. It might be like 14-12 to and, and someone wins on a safety at the end. That's after it. Four field goals apiece. That might be the first game in the history of football that they just they go to commercial in the middle of the first quarter and never come back. Never come back. I could see that happen. It's a bad game. By the way, that game has implications because if the Texans win and Dino's Bears lose, Chicago gets the number one pick. So we're watching who gets the number one pick here. Houston's probably trying to tank, though, and get the number one picks. Although the Colts, they've been tanking since they hired Jeff Saturday. So what are we talking about? Well, give me, give me where a lot of fanfare was for obvious reasons uh, this week. And thank God it's good news for those reasons. Give me Buffalo. You're going to take the Bills minus the seven and a half. I can Buffalo. see that with the emotion. I, I don't know that New England has enough offense in this game. I can I can live with I can see that happening. So yeah. uh, to recap, Ed's picks, he's going Bills minus seven and a half against the Pats as they try to get that one seed. There's obviously some implications with the playoff situation, which everybody knows is going to pretty much depend on what happens with the Bengals, the Chiefs, and all that here coming up. There's a lot of factors into play with that. But he's going Bills minus seven and a half, Chargers plus the three, Vikes minus the five and a half. I'm going to go to go with my two picks of Green Bay minus four and a half and over 39 and a half Jacksonville, Tennessee. I'm putting a checker on a checker for the first time this year. I love Denver. Let's ride Broncos. Ed's hoping the Franklin Broncos Said don't no ride today. Ever. Listen, I know, but, but I think they win this game today. I think the Chargers will be totally, or not today, tomorrow. Rest in people, I'm going to go with Denver minus the three. There's a reason they're favored in this game, and they're going to have finally one good effort. And they played a little bit better last week against Kansas City with the interim coach. Offense moved the ball a little bit better. Didn't have enough defense to stop Patrick Mahomes. So I'll go with the Broncos minus the three. Again, Rister's lock of the week, Dallas minus the seven, and Dino's going with the Giants plus the 14.5 against Philly. Those are the picks for a week number 18 in the league where they play for pay. And next week it's the playoffs, and we'll have more local sports talk, high school, college, and so much more with you on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law. We thank our interview guests, such as Dwight Robinson of Lanstown, Willie Gauss of Kickatan, plus Feldarius Payne of the Virginia Tech Hokies, as well as Paul Hall, head boys basketball coach of the Western Branch Bruins. Again, if you missed any of the show, it'll be up on the podcast page later on ESPN Radio 941.com. Good luck today, Ed. We'll see you again next week. Lord willing. That's for uh, the coach, Ed Young, and A.J. Risser. And Dino, I'm Matt Hatfield. Thanks for tuning in. Keep it tuned to your local sports connection, ESPN Radio 94.1.